0: The reading this morning is from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. And it's entitled, The Parable of the Rich Fool. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God.
1: Let's pray as we come round to the word of God together today. Father God, we want to give you thanks and praise for your words. We want to thank you, Lord God, that how your word speaks to each and every one of us. We thank you, Father God, that as we read your words, you challenge us, Lord God. And as we come to yet another challenging passage of Scripture together today, we ask, Lord God, right now you will be speaking to us. Lord, will you give us ears to hear what you have to say to us? Individually and as a church, Lord, we want to live lives which glorify you and honour you in every single way. Will you have your way, King Jesus, today? In your holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, I had planned, actually, to speak on a different part of this passage that we're going to be looking at together today, Luke chapter 12. But as I reflected on this chapter, and as I looked at what God was, I believe, saying to me through this chapter, I was reminded that over the course of this season, in several different conversations with different people, in very different contexts often, I've heard more or less the same phrase on a number of occasions. And that phrase is that we are just beginning to seek God as to what he wants for us in this next season, I wonder if you've said something similar in the past few weeks and months. We're seeking God for what He's calling us to in this next season. As I pondered that phrase, I really got a sense that God was saying that in people seeking what He has for them in this next season, what He's doing is calling them to search their own hearts and prepare for what is to come. So, in effect, What we're going to be talking about together today is actually part two of last week's message. If you were with us last week, you may remember that we looked at a passage in Scripture where Jesus was speaking what seemed to be some incredibly hard words to uh, the Pharisees. And we focused together that, at times at least... We can all have pharisaical tendencies in the way that we live and the way that we go about our daily business. I said last week that I didn't believe that the Pharisees, when they started out in the roles that they started out in, I don't believe they ever intended to lead people astray. I believe they started out because they wanted to glorify God with everything that they had. They wanted to see people draw closer to God. And they wanted to see people go deeper with God. But somewhere along the way, something went astray and something went awry, whether that was the praise of people, whether it's because they got all the best seats in the synagogue, whether that was uh, the acclaim that came with their position, I don't know. But somewhere along the journey, their hearts became unhealthy. And last week, we looked at the marks of an unhealthy heart together. And the challenge for us was to examine our own hearts, to examine our own walk with Jesus and ask what Jesus is calling us to change in this season. You see, as well as our spiritual hearts being unhealthy or potentially being unhealthy in the season that we find ourselves in, I don't know about you. There's two of me, apparently. I don't know about you, but I have noticed that in this season, there seems to be an incredible amount of different pulls on our life, whether that's family and the strains of having to homeschool week after week after week, whether that is, I don't know, your job at this time and you've had to go above and beyond everything in your role, and there's maybe the constant threat of your job being unsafe and insecure in this season. I don't know what the pulls have been on your life, but I'm sure that in this season, you can relate to it in some way, shape or form. there have been a number of pulls that have pulled you in different directions, and it leaves us asking the question, doesn't it? What is it that we really want? In this season, what is it that we really desire? What is it which is really important to us? And the danger is, when we begin to ask questions like that, and we don't have God at the centre of those questions, it can often end up with us looking inwards, and us seeking comfort, rather than seeking what God wants for our life. We are, by nature, creatures of comfort, aren't we? If you've been doing the daily Bible studies with us on YouVersion over the course of the past few weeks, we're in the book of Romans at the moment, and one of the things which came out from one of our readings this week is that actually, by nature, we're not built for suffering. God made us to enjoy life and to enjoy fellowship and to enjoy everything that he made. But the problem is sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, everything got messed up and everything became distorted. And the life that God had for us and intended for us got totally and utterly broken. So... When pain, when suffering, when hardships appear in life, our natural tendency is to begin to look inwards and begin to seek comfort. I wonder if you can identify with that in this season, that maybe your focus has been on looking inwards and seeking comfort at times. I wonder how many times over the past few months we've pined and pined and pined for something that we once knew. I wonder how many times over the past few months we've longed to go back to some sort of normality, to see friends and to hug them, to revert to what we call the good old days. Now, I'm not saying that that is wrong. It's natural to feel those things in a world which seems so different and turned upside down. But when God is not in the equation, in the midst of those thoughts and feelings, our emotions point us to being the centre of our own universe. In this passage, that we've heard, read to us today, Jesus is teaching about the importance of fearing God alone. And as he is teaching, a man in the crowd pipes up because he's unhappy with the inheritance split that he has with his brother. Now, first and foremost, from a preacher's perspective, this really encourages me because Jesus is teaching here and someone butts in with a question which is totally and utterly unrelated. And that encourages me because it means if Jesus couldn't keep the focus of people when he was teaching, I don't have to feel so bad when I look out at a congregation and see them dreaming about the roast dinner that they're going to be having a little bit later on. But nevertheless, this man approaches Jesus and he says, tell my brother to divide our inheritance fairly with me. Now, this is an age-old problem, isn't it? Families have been ripped apart time and time again because of inheritance disputes. And firstly, when Jesus answers this question, notice that what he does is he doesn't get sidetracked by the question. If you remember a few chapters earlier, Jesus had set his face resolutely towards Jerusalem in Luke chapter 9. He had a mission, he had a goal, and nothing was going to sidetrack him from his mission. He hadn't come to be the arbitrator of legal disputes. His mission was to seek and to save the lost. And that's where his focus was at. And with that in mind, instead of giving these brother an answer about how they should divide this inheritance up fairly, and both people walk away happy, Jesus goes for the root of the problem, the the very thing which had caused this issue to be presented there and then, greed. And in telling them this parable, he goes on to tell them, he points out that the most important thing of all is not that they walk away with a lump of money that they're happy with, but actually their perspective of the whole thing is changed. I wonder how many times we come to God and we ask God to fix our issue and to fix our problem and to sort something out in our life. But actually what God wants to do is change us in the midst of it. My dare for you this week, instead of coming to God with a shopping list this week when you pray, come to God with your issue, lay it at the foot of the cross, the Bible tells us to cast all of our cares upon him, and then ask God to change your perspective on the situation if that's what it needs. Ask God to help you see your situation and your circumstances through his eyes, because when we do, suddenly the whole picture changes. And Jesus addresses the core of the problem here in verse 15 when he says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. But greed tries to convince us the exact opposite, doesn't it? greed tells us that what we have is never enough greed tells us that we are never going to be satisfied greed tells us that no one really cares about me people have forgotten about me our greed tells us that the grass is always greener somewhere else so Jesus tells this parable It's a story of a rich man, a successful man, a man who had everything that he could possibly want. He was so successful that his businesses kept growing and growing and growing until he had so much that he didn't know what to do with it all. So he thinks to himself, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna build bigger and I'm going to go harder because that way I'll eat, drink and be merry my entire life and everything will be wonderful. But that night, God says to the man, you fool, did you not realize that tonight your life was going to be required of you? And as we think a little bit about this parable here that Jesus teaches in this context today, I want us to ask the question, how does this Story. this parable, speak into the midst of our lives in the midst of a global pandemic? When the temptation for us, like the man who came to Jesus, is to look inward and to look after ourselves and make sure that we're okay, what is it that Jesus is saying to us today? The first thing I think Jesus wants us to hear today is that when we look inwards, we fail to give God the credit that he deserves for everything that he has done. Verse 16 says this, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. As Jesus spoke this parable, he spoke it to the crowds who were gathered. And the first thing that I think it's important that we realise here is that Jesus doesn't condemn the rich man for being rich. It's okay to be well off. It's okay to have a lot of money in the bank. It's okay to have possessions as long as those things do not become our master and that we're willing to be generous with everything that God has given to us. But notice the terminology which is used in this verse. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. There's no mention of God in the acquisition of this man's wealth here. There's no mention of God in the blessing that he has bestowed upon this life. It's all about the man. When the man looked out and he surveyed everything that he had, everything that he owned, what he saw was his own effort. The heart, which is inclined inwards, seeks to strive by itself. I wonder how many times and how many of us during this pandemic have sought to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps rather than seeking God and seeking what he is trying to tell us in the midst of it. In a time where life is so difficult, And when an attitude of gratitude is so important, I wonder how many of us have simply stopped looking for how God is moving and what God is doing and what God is saying to us. In some ways, this might seem like a minor point, but focusing on it in many respects is absolutely vital. Because the reason the Bible calls us to give thanks in all circumstances is that in giving thanks, what we do is we begin to reframe our present circumstances and our present situation we begin to see really what's going on from a different perspective and in doing so what we do is we learn to begin to lean on God's when we strive by ourselves and we fail to give God the credit he deserves we begin an unsteady walk into apathy and into struggle where is God's moving in your life right now that you need to give him thanks for Where is God moving in your life right now where you need to give him credit for what he is doing? Where is God blessing you at this present point in time which maybe you hadn't even realised but God is bestowing blessing upon you? Number two, when we focus inwards, we begin to leave God out of our plans. Verses 17 and 18 said this, he thought to himself, what should I do? I have no place for my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones, and there I will store all of my surplus grain. Again, I'd look to this passage and I would say at the start of it, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with wanting to build bigger barns. There's nothing intrinsically wrong about wanting to go bigger. God blesses some people in order to be a blessing. I know some people who are incredibly wealthy and it seems like everything that they touch turns to gold. And the reason that I believe they find themselves in that particular place in that situation is because of the generosity they show towards the kingdom of God. Now, that's not prosperity gospel. But I do believe that God does entrust people with wealth in order to bless the kingdom of God, to see the kingdom come and to see his will be done on earth. We are blessed as God's people to be a blessing to others. The problem here is that the rich man is at the center of his own plans. Notice the terminology which is used. What shall I do? I have no room for my crops. I will pull down my barns. I will build bigger barns for my crops and my goods. Do you see the problem here in this man's life? He was very much inward focused, looking after number one. And in Jesus teaching this passage, he is speaking to a man who really is solely focusing on himself in that moment. When he comes to Jesus and says, Get my brother to sort out our inheritance. He's inward focused. That's the reason he uses this parable. And in this season, church, it's so easy to find ourselves focusing inwards, focusing on our own comfort, our own wants, our own needs, our own desires. And we need to ask the question, God, are you really the center of my plans right now? Or am I just seeking my own comfort? Is God really telling me This is the direction of travel for my life right now? Or do I just perceive that this is an easier route for me at the moment? You know, the Bible tells us that in his heart, a man plans his course, but it's the Lord who determines his steps. And the question we need to ask today is simple. Are we allowing the Lord right now to determine our steps? Are we willing to follow him no matter what the cost, even when it's difficult? even when it's a struggle, even when it's hard. The third thing that I believe that we see about having an inward-focused life today is that we only consider spending our resources on ourselves. Verse 19 says this, And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. The man thought, that he'd set himself up for many years to come, that he was going to be comfortable, carefree, enjoy everything that he had, and enjoy life. But everything that he hoped for was based upon the fate of his, his crops. What if everything dried up for this man? What if suddenly he didn't have the ability to provide for himself any longer and look after himself? What would happen to his comfortable life at this point? And one of the dangers of a season like the one that we find ourselves in is it causes us to focus on our own ability to care for ourselves and when things get a little bit shaky we look only after ourselves don't believe me think back to this time last year when you went to the supermarket and you saw the shelves empty Think back to that time where toilet roll almost had the same value as gold because everyone was buying it up and hoarding it for themselves. So often, when God's not at the centre of our plans, we consider only looking after ourselves and only spending our resources on ourselves. I wonder if anyone has stopped being generous with their finances because of the season that we find ourselves in. The truth is, when times of discomfort hit, our natural reaction is to seek comfort and to attempt to look after ourselves. We want to make sure we're okay. But if we believe, if we truly believe that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, if we truly believe that this God that we worship supplies all of our needs according to his riches in glory, do our actions tally up to what we speak? We read these words in James 4, 13 to 16. Now listen you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to, do, to this city or to that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen to you tomorrow. What is your life? You are mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that as it is. Your boast is arrogant in those schemes. All such boasting is evil. You know, the Bible doesn't discourage us from making plans. The Bible doesn't discourage us for looking after ourselves as well and looking after those around us. But when we do make plans, as Christians, it's important that those plans that we make have the ultimate perspective that God is in charge. Because when we don't, The moment we experience turbulent times, life becomes simply about battening down the hatches and making sure we're okay. When the call of Jesus is to focus on him and show a world who so desperately needs Jesus that we have a rock on which we stand. And following on from that, the next thing I think we see from our passage today about focusing inwards is that when we're inward focused, we store up our treasure in the wrong places. Verse 20 says this, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You know, when someone is referred to as a fool in scripture, what it's effectively telling us is that this is a person who lacks spiritual discernment. A fool is someone who doesn't leave any room for God in their thinking. We read in other parts of Scripture, don't we, that the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. And this man is labelled a fool because he failed to realise that the material blessings that he had had come from God. And as a result, he failed to realise what his obligations were with these material blessings. You see, when we focus inward, everything becomes about us. Then the remarkable thing is, that this man that Jesus labels a fool, in worldly terms, we would probably label a success, wouldn't we? We'd look at this man's life and think, what a hard-working gentleman. What a man who's built up his businesses and stored all this stuff up. We aspire to be like a person like this. But Jesus says that God said to him that night, your life will be demanded. Of you. The word used for demand here is the Greek word apatio, which literally means to demand back or to require back. It conveys this idea that everything this man had had to be paid back to God. It shows us really that nothing that we own, whether that's our finances, whether that's our land, whether that's our house, whatever it is, our possessions, nothing that we own actually belongs to us. It's all from God. God gives it to us in order that we might be responsible with it, that we might be a blessing, and that we might use it wisely. And at times like this, when we turn our attention inwards and focus on number one, the key to overcoming that is generosity. Let me ask you today, church, are you generous with your finances? Are you generous with your possessions? Do you tithe? The idea of giving 10%, the first fruits back to God? Well, I'll tithe with my time. That's great. But nowhere in Scripture does it say it's an either or. It's a both and. We're called to give the first fruits to God. We're called to be generous with what we have. Well, tithing, that's not a New Testament requirement. Well, I'd argue that it is. In fact, tithing predates the law. Before the law was given, what we see is the people of God giving their firstfruits to God and saying, God, here it is, you're so worthy, you're so wonderful, I'm going to give the very best back to you. And Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. And what we see in scripture often is that Jesus upgrades the law. You have heard it said, do not commit murder. But I'll tell you, if you look at someone with murderous thoughts, you've already done it in your heart. You have said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, if you look at someone lustfully, I tell you, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Jesus upgrades the law. You have heard it said, give 10% of what you've got. But I tell you, you live a generous life, so generous, that you bless those around you and you show them how God loves them. And, you know, I've probably said it before, When we talk about generosity, when we talk about tithing, it's not so God can have your money. God is not sitting on his throne thinking, I'm a bit hard up this month. I hope so-and-so gives an extra 10 pounds in the offering this week. It's about your heart. God wants your heart. It's often said that the last thing to be baptized in a Christian's life is his wallet. And I wonder if that's true for you. Jesus said that wherever a person's treasure is, that's where his heart is also. And let me say something which somewhat here is quite offensive this morning. But let me tell you this. If you have a regular savings plan, but you don't have a regular giving plan, you fall into the same category as this man in the parable who stored up for himself bigger barns. We find ourselves in a place where we're hoarding up treasures on earth, where God says, don't worry about treasures on earth, but focus on those treasures in heaven. Let me give you a really simple formula that, I think it is great to live by, and it's what I try to live by in my own life. Give 10%, save 10%, live off the rest. If we begin to put those practices in our life and in our daily walk, ultimately, we, we put our trust in a God who says, I've got everything for you. I'll supply all your needs according to your riches in glory. You might not be someone who is generous and you might not be giving today. Do you know what? Ultimately, it's not about percentage, it's about sacrifice. Where is your heart? And my challenge to you this morning is if you find yourself in a place where you're not being generous, start where you're at. Everyone has the ability to be generous in some capacity with the material possessions that God has given them. Start where you're at, give it to God, and then allow that to increase over time. There are a number of ways you can do that here in the church, and we've highlighted some of those in our church news this week. But finally, when we allow ourselves to be Inward-focused, we find ourselves in conflict with God's plan for our life. Verse 21 says this, This is how it will be, with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God's. What this man ultimately discovered on this time is that where he had placed his hope ultimately had no value whatsoever. That the moment his life was required of him, all his riches became poverty. An inward-focused mentality is in direct conflict with what God has for our lives. When we live totally and utterly for ourselves, we ultimately leave no room for God. And the danger of living that way through a season like we have been through and a season that we are still in is that we can develop this woe-is-me mentality, can't we? Woe is me. Everything is rubbish. Everything is hard. Everything is against me. And that forces us to look inwards... And think once again about only the things which we need. Where the call of Jesus today for each and every one of us is to look out and to look up. To once again look to Jesus to see what he is doing both in our lives, in the church and in the world. Give him thanks for it. The call of Jesus today is once again to give our plans, our hopes, our dreams and our desires over to God. Trusting him for the future. The call of Jesus today is to be generous with our resources because we worship a generous God. You know, there are ways that we can fo- we can combat this inward focus mentality. And I believe it starts just as it did with what we were talking about together last week. The call, once again, is to each and every one of us to examine our hearts. And I want to challenge you this morning by asking you, you these questions. During this season, has your attitude helped or hindered the work of God in your life and where he has placed you? During this season, have you been willing to follow God's plans? Or has your concerns been largely about surviving? During this season, have you trusted God and been generous with the resources that he has given you? Or have you been worried about what the future looks like? These questions aren't to condemn anyone. The Bible tells us that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But I want us to ask those questions because deep roots in Christ starts with an honest evaluation of where we stand before a holy God. And one of the issues of the Pharisees that we saw last week is they didn't truly see their their standing before God. So Jesus shocked them into realizing where they were before this awesome and holy God. Today, if you have found yourself inward with focus, and let's be honest, we probably all have at some point over the last year, know that Jesus stands with you today and says, come on, let's start again. Let's go again. Let's allow those roots to go deep. Let's not worry about the barns that we're building on earth, but the treasure we're storing up in heaven. Let's be a people who show a world who is in so desperate need of him that he's alive and he gives hope beyond measure. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And as the bands begin to get ready, and they begin to play, we're going to sing together a hymn, which is a hymn of reflection, a hymn of promise. Let's make it our prayer today. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast caused me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. In a season of turmoil, where it's so easy to look inwards, we too can stand on the solid rock that is Jesus and say, I might not know what tomorrow is going to bring. These next few days, weeks, and months might be shaky and might be uncertain, but it's well with my soul. And let's commit as his people today to living with that attitude. Father God, I want to thank you that for us as Christians, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Lord, we come before you, awesome, holy God today, and ask for forgiveness for the times where we have focused inwards and focused on ourselves. Lord, in this next season, whatever it may bring, may we truly focus upwards on the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And may this song today be our declaration. Whatever my lot, thou hast caused me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. If you're in the room, I'm going to invite you to stand if you're able. And let the words of this song wash over you if you can't sing them today. Pray them out as a declaration. If you're at home, sing them out as a declaration. Let's worship God together, church.